is is when it comes to Acts chapter 2, there's a lot in there. Because it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is, is all about... Um, it's a very critical chapter. So I don't want to just rush through it just so we can cover a whole chapter. So, I mean, I had a lot of content last week and I got... I, I was looking at it and I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this, so I'll break it up. So... This week, same thing, started putting it together, and I'm like, you know what, there's a lot in there, let's take it slow, let's make sure we cover it really good, and then next week we'll finish up chapter two. So we're going to do it kind of in three parts. Um, So Acts chapter two, uh, again, the title of my message is Holy Spirit or Hype, and this is part two of that message. Uh, Let's... Man, let's see. I'm excited to see what God's going to do here. So let's pray. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. And uh, just your great goodness, your great grace. Father, your, Lord, just the way you work in our hearts and just the way you speak. And uh, just like that song, Father, give us faith to trust what you say, Lord. uh, What you've spoken to each of us individually, Father, those promises that you've given us that uh, we can build our lives on, Lord, that we can obey. Father, may you just help us, Lord. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Meet us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Holy Spirit or Hype Part 2. Last week we talked, and and again, the book of Acts, we've been talking about um, a couple things. We've been talking about the birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit, two of the main themes uh, in the book of Acts, two of the main topics in this portion of the book of Acts. You see the birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the church is not an institution, right? The church is not a religious organization. The church is not uh, a denomination. The church is not an institution. We've talked about how the church is what? It's a group of people. It's a gathering of people. Jesus told Peter, he said, hey, he said, I'm going to build my church. And what he was talking about is he wasn't talking about building a worldwide organization. He was talking about building a a group of people that he was going to save, that we're going to be set apart from the world, that we're going to be different than the world. You see that God's desire for this group of people is really the Great Commission. Man, to go and to make disciples of all nations, that great commission. We were called to be a group of people on a mission. And sometimes we can be a people that have no mission. Now we can be a group of people and and there's many times and I've been seasons of my life where you go through and you're like, what does God want for me? What does God have for me? What does God want me to do? And you can feel like you have no mission. But I love it so much because when you give yourself fully And make yourself available to God. Listen, you will experience the most joy and the most purpose you will ever have in your life. It's so funny how it works because sometimes we look at things and we're like, you know what, Lord? Um, But if I give myself fully to you, if I make myself fully available to you, you know, what's going to happen to me? And some people can be afraid to do that. But when you really make yourself available to God 110%, you will experience the most joy and the most purpose you've ever had in your life. 
and you'll find that God's plan for you, deep down, it's almost like it just, it, it aligns with what you want to do. And there's seasons we go through, we've talked about that, seasons of preparation where it's like, man, Lord, I don't like this season. This is not what I want to do. Like, let's skip to what, let's skip to the good part. Let's skip to where, you know, I want to, I'm able to do what you've called me to do. But man, it's those seasons of preparation that are so, so necessary. Why? Because God doesn't want you to start fulfilling your calling and to fulfill your calling for a year. And God wants to prepare you and he's preparing you to be able to fulfill that calling for your lifetime. He's preparing you. So that way when you get there, it's not short-lived, but there's that longevity. You're there for a while. And I love it so much because not only do we talk about the church, but the book of Acts talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about baptism and how it means baptized or drenched. Man, it's like a picture of when you go into water, right? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a picture of when you go into the water, right? And when you go swimming and, you know, you're, you're out at the lake and you're paddleboarding or whatever, and you jump off and you just, just dive in, right? You're drenched, like you're completely soaked. It's not like you dip your toes in. You're completely soaked. And it's that same idea. It's just being totally just immersed and just literally drenched, just baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the effects of that power is what? Man, it's the ability to do mighty works for God. Mighty works for God. And we talked about how not every mighty work is a healing or a miracle. Right? When we see a healing or a miracle, sometimes we're like, man, that was a powerful work. Like, that was amazing. But then when we see someone get saved, we're like, oh, that's cool. Like, that person got saved. But wow, like, this person got healed. And really, it's so different. Because the mighty works of God, listen, it's not just healings and miracles and things we can see. Sometimes the mighty works of God is you sharing with a coworker. Sometimes we can share with people, and then you're, you, sit, you sit back and you're like, man, this is a waste of my time. You're like, I'm sharing with this person, and they're totally disinterested. And then, you know, you see them the next time you see them, you're like, man, they're worse than before I shared with them. <laughs> you know, they're worse. Like, th this is not working. But I love it so much because the way the Lord works, listen, we sow that seed and we make that investment. And it's in God's time that he brings the results. You know, Paul was in Jerusalem, and as Paul was in Jerusalem, he testified of, of Jesus, and he got put in jail. There was zero conversions. <laughs> Nobody got saved. And Paul had no doubt prepared for that. He was like, man, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to share with my, my Jewish, uh, you know, my Jewish, uh, they wouldn't be called a compadre, but my Jewish, uh, my Jewish brethren. He said, I'm going to go share with my Jewish brethren, and they're going to receive me. And the reason they're going to receive me is because, man, I was one of them. I was where they are. And I came out of that, and they're going to for sure, man, all Jerusalem is going to get saved because I'm going to go share. And he goes, and literally halfway through, they cut him off. They get ready to stone him. They complete hatred the romans had to step in and pull them out and be like dude like what did you tell the crowd like they're gonna get ready to kill you and paul's sitting in that prison cell that night and he's probably thinking like man this was a disaster and i lord i i tried to share and these people they don't want nothing to do with you and 
But God told him, he said, Paul, he said, you testified of me. He did, he did well. He testified of me. And now I'm going to send you to Rome and you're going to testify of me there too. You see, sometimes it's not about getting everyone saved where we're at. Sometimes it's just testifying. And it's just sharing and then letting God do the work in his time and in his way. I love it so much because you see that the, the mighty works of God, sometimes it's just sharing your faith with the power of the Holy Spirit and then letting God do the work. It's that power to be a witness. And I think sometimes, too, it's, you know, maybe you've been in a situation where you're like, man, I, I, I want help. I need help. Right. And what's always the first step we say? You know, you got to recognize that you need help and then you got to reach out. You got to ask for help. You got to ask for help, and it's the same thing. A lot of times we look at our lives and we're like, God, I can't share my faith. Like, I just struggle. I'm like, blah, 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 and it's, no one understands me, Lord. Lord, I try and share my faith, and I don't remember the scriptures. Lord, I try and share my faith, and I just, I don't know what's happening, Lord. I just, I'm not that guy. But I think if you want to be more of a witness, listen, sometimes we have to reach out for help to the Lord. Because God told him, he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be that witness. Man, see, the power to be a witness is from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that comes not from a training class, not from, you know, flashcards. All those things are good. All those things are good. They help. But man, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have to want that help and you reach out and God does what? He comes through and he says, okay, I'm going to help you. And he may send someone your way and your heart's like beating fast. You're like, Lord, I think this is the, you want me to share with this person, but I don't even know what to say. And that's the Lord. Step out and share. They may turn you down. The other day I was at work and um, I got turned down sick. <laughs> I got turned down sick with it. I was walking out, and, and there was this guy, and I know him because he works in a different department, but I'm always over in that department talking with the guys, really cool group of dudes. And so I'm over there, and you know, I always talk with them, really good dudes. And I saw him walking out one day, and the dude was limping, he had like a really swollen uh, leg, and so I'm like, dude, I'm like, man, I'm like, what happened? He's like, ah, he's like, I jacked up my leg, you know, yada, yada. I'm like, I'm like, well, dude, I'm like, can I pray for you? And he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And he had this like, like freaked out look, like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, man, I'm good. And I was like, I was like, I, I literally, I put my head down and I'm walking in the car, I'm like, I'm like, I don't have the power to do <laughs> I said, that was, a, that was bad. But I felt the Lord prompting me. And sometimes, listen, sometimes it's not well received. Sometimes it's not this dynamic like, oh man, the power of the Spirit, get saved now, okay, get saved. Like, it's not always that. But witnessing, listen, witnessing is not saving people, witnessing is testifying of Christ. It's testifying of Christ and letting God do the results. And I love it so much because, listen, a life, like what we've talked about, being filled with the Spirit, that baptism of the Spirit, it's that overflowing, right? It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and your life is just filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I love it so much because when your life that is overflowing with the Spirit, listen, you will find yourself naturally doing these things. 
See, I think a lot of times we're running on empty, and we're running on empty, and we haven't allowed the Lord to fill us with His Spirit. And because of that, we're getting frustrated. We're like, God, why can't I share? You know, why don't I have any power? Lord, why are you using me? Lord, last time I did this, I was walking in the Spirit, and there was just this dynamic power. And now, Lord, it's like there's nothing. But listen, a life that is overflowing with the Spirit will naturally, you'll find yourself stirred up to do these things. And that's why I think so often we focus on doing, but really I think God just wants us to just focus on Him and allow Him to fill us and allow Him to strengthen us and allow Him to stir us up. You see, when you draw near to God, you start getting on fire. You start getting fired up. You start to see God fill you with His Spirit. You start to see God lead you and work in your life. And it's no longer you trying to figure out what God wants you to do. It's now you, it's almost like you're on the receiving end. You're like, okay, man, the Lord's putting this on my heart. God's speaking to me. And it's just that importance of just, okay, God, like, what are you doing? What do you want to do? And we talked about in Acts chapter 2, the beginning part it says when they were all there right that the holy spirit fell upon them and we're going to pick up in verse four and we're going to focus on the verse four and again the the theme of today's message is really that theme of how we want the holy spirit last week we talked about the baptism of the holy spirit and why it's so important but listen now we want to talk about what it means To really want the Holy Spirit and want a genuine work of God in your life. Wanting a genuine work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not an imitation, not a surface level, but wanting a genuine, the real thing. You want the real thing. And so let's begin in, in, in uh, chapter 2. I'm just going to read the first couple verses and then we'll, we'll pick up in verse 4. It says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And then it says this, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man, it says they were filled with the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say they were slain in the Spirit. It doesn't say that they were laughing in the Spirit or barking like dogs in the Spirit or coughing in the Spirit. Right? Sometimes you go to a church and there's all these different things you see and they're like, oh man, the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon us. Okay, now, you know, they do the slain in the spirit thing, right? Where they get you and they push you back. Say, man, the Holy Spirit fell upon you, so now I'm going to push you back. I don't know what that does for a person. I've never experienced that, but some churches practice that. But is that a really a work of the spirit? I don't know. I think it's a work of a forearm exercise, really. A little bit of that push. But notice, they were filled with the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it brought what? It brought a filling of the Spirit. It didn't bring all of these extracurricular activities. It just brought a filling of the Spirit in their lives. Man, they were filled with the Spirit. 
And what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I don't know how many of you guys have ever gone to a restaurant, right? You go to your favorite restaurant and you walk in and it is packed. And there's people waiting in line. There's people standing because all the waiting room seats are taken. So there's people standing. You walk in and it is just packed out. And the server walks up to you and says, hey, there's no more room. <laughs> We're completely full. We're completely filled. There's no room for you to sit. It's that same idea. And it means you're just filled with the Holy Spirit, man. To the max, to the brim. There's no, there's no more room. You're just filled with the Spirit. You're not running on empty. You're full of the Spirit. It's interesting. It's a word used when John the Baptist, right? It says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit. And we know John the Baptist's life. That dude baptized a whole nation. A whole nation. Man, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit. And it's that same thing. And Jesus said, well, he said, now the Holy Spirit fell upon them here. What do we see? We see that now the disciples, all 120 of them, were filled to the brim. They were full of the Spirit. And I love it so much because what does it look like practically? Man, what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit look like practically? I love it because it's very, very simple. So a lot of times I'm like, man, what does it you know, look like when there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What, what does it look like to see a Spirit-filled church? It's very, very simple. Notice. It's a group of Christians that were filled with the Spirit, and they were exercising the gifts of the Spirit. Think about that. Very simple. Man, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, and what do you see? You see a group of Christians that were filled with the Spirit and they were exercising the gifts of the Spirit. And you don't see a group of Christians doing dancing circles around and, you know, calling on the Holy Spirit. To, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit fell and you see a group of Christians that were filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit, and they were exercising their gifts. See, I think it's not always about the hype. It's important to understand this. It's not always about the hype. It's not always about the experience. And sometimes you feel something. You know, there's sometimes, right, what, what are we all, Denise, sometimes on these prayer meetings, right, you come to the prayer and you're like, you're, you, you always kind of say what we all feel. You're like, man, I just feel the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I got that goosebumps. And sometimes you feel the Holy Spirit, but listen, sometimes you don't feel anything. Man, sometimes you don't feel anything. And it's important because, listen, we don't want the feeling, we don't want the experience, we want the Holy Spirit. And like what we talked about last week, sometimes there is that experience, sometimes there's that, um, man, that, that just, you feel it, and then sometimes you don't, and that's okay. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't a feeling that fell on them, it was power. And what did it look like? It looked very simple, like a group of Christians that were full of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues, they were exercising their gifts. Man, sometimes you feel something, sometimes you don't. I always remember a story by Chuck Smith, and he said that, um, you know... He was talking about how sometimes, in, and you guys have experienced this, sometimes, man, when the Holy Spirit falls on you, you kind of feel it's almost like a, like a tingling a little bit sensation, right? It's you get those goosebumps, or you just, you feel it, you're like, oh my goodness, right? 
And, but sometimes you don't. And he said this quote, and it always uh, struck me. He said, you know, he said, you want the Holy Spirit. He said, you don't want the Holy Tingles. I thought about that, because sometimes, man, we want the Holy Tingles. We want to come in and be like, man, I want to just, you know? Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit we want. We want, do we want the Holy Spirit, or do you want hype? You can have both, exactly. Exactly. And so you see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit in verse 4, very simply, it looked like a group of Christians that were just full of the Holy Spirit and they were exercising the gifts. And then notice uh, what happens. It says, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the gift of tongues, we covered this in 1 Corinthians, that the gift of tongues is speaking in a different tongue as God gives you the ability. And it's a language that you don't know. That's what speaking in tongues is. When you see the gift of tongues throughout the Bible, sometimes it's referred to as praying in the Spirit. It's speaking or praying or praising God in a tongue and a language that you don't naturally speak. So it would be like if I was up here and, and, you know, let's say I was exercising the gift of tongues and all of a sudden I began to pray and as I was praying, I was praying in French. I don't know French. I've never taken a French class in my life. I don't understand what I'm saying. See, that's, that's what the gift of tongues is. It's speaking in a language you don't know. And it's very, very important to notice. Uh, it, it's interesting. It's not only just languages like um, different parts of the world. Man, Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, Think about that. Sometimes there's angelic languages that people, when they pray in tongues, it's an angelic language. It's a beautiful thing. And you see that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. Translation, their ability to speak in tongues, it came from the Spirit. It was something that the Spirit gave them the ability to do that. Very important because there's some churches that teach that you can learn how to speak in tongues. And the way to learn is by practicing. And as you begin to practice, before you know it, you'll speak in a tongue. And the way to practice, you start out very simple by just repeating the phrase, ba, 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 ba. And before you know it, you'll begin to speak in tongues. I don't know. I think that's very odd. Because here it says what? It says the Spirit gave them that ability. Now it says the Spirit gave them the ability to speak in tongues. The source of it was the Spirit. And I always marvel at how far people go to try and create experiences. Do you ever think about that? Man, people go to great lengths to try and create experiences. Man, they go to all sorts of things to try and create this hype, this experience. You know, it's interesting because people often, I feel like a lot of times we aren't content with just Jesus. You know, there's one uh, lady and she wrote a book, a really popular book. And in the beginning of the book, she said these words. She said, you know, she said, I started reading my Bible. She said, and I still read my Bible. She said, but I just felt like I wanted a deeper experience. She's like, so I began to meditate. And as I began to meditate, I began to, whatever I felt God was telling me, I began to write down. 
I do believe that sometimes God speaks in that still small voice. I do. I do believe that sometimes you're praying and you'll maybe hear God speak to you. But I think that sometimes we can get into that issue where it's like the living and powerful word of God is not enough for us. And that's dangerous. Because at that point, listen, we're no longer seeking a move of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer seeking an encounter with the risen and alive Savior. What are we seeking? We're seeking an experience. And it's dangerous. Man, sometimes experiences happen. And there are sometimes experiences happen, and then there are sometimes where you don't feel anything. And we have to understand that we want the Holy Spirit. We don't want hype. And it's interesting because as they were speaking in tongues, what were they saying? Notice it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, verse 5, devout men, Jews from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Uh, it's interesting. All of those different nationalities were in Jerusalem because like what we talked about is the feast. There was a feast going on, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost. And so when they were there, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls and you see these disciples speaking in tongues. And it's so very interesting because as they're speaking in all these languages that they don't know, they're praising God, they're praying, they're worshiping in all these languages that they don't know. All of a sudden, I can just picture it. You see a Cretan walking by and he's like, he's like, someone's speaking Cretan. What? He goes and what do they do? He sees a disciple there. Praying and praising God in his own tongue. And then notice it says this. It says, so they were all amazed and perplexed. Oh, no, no, no. It says this in verse 11. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Very, very important. What were they speaking? Now, when a tongue is given, what is it? What's the utterance? Man, it's prayer and it's praise. Sometimes we can think of a tongue as being a prophecy, right? And that's not really, you don't find that in the scriptures. When someone speaks in a tongue, it's often a praise or it's a prayer. You know, it's interesting because... <laughs> you're good, you're good. It's interesting because... When you see that happening, and, and if you guys have ever been around someone that has spoken a tongue, and then right next to them the interpretation is given, it's usually a very beautiful prayer, or a very beautiful praise, or a very beautiful worship. And that's what they're saying. They're like, man, they're like, we hear these them speaking the wonderful works of God. Man, we hear them praising God. Notice what happens next. It says this. 
it says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, Whatever could this mean? And others, mocking, said, They are full of new wine. And then verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, Heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Very, very important. We go from this powerful experience where the Holy Spirit falls on the church and Peter uses it as an opportunity to preach who? To preach Jesus. You see, I think it's important. The Holy Spirit, he is glorified Christ. Man, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Very important. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell of the things to come, and he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Very, very important. Who does the Holy Spirit glorify? Jesus. Man, who is the Holy Spirit pointing to? Who is the Holy Spirit promoting? The Holy Spirit is promoting Jesus. Peter is going to get up here and all of these people are captured because here you have all these men speaking in all these different languages and they're like, man, what is going on? And Peter gets up and what does he do? He preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Very important. Listen, often I think we can make things about the experience instead of about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came not to promote himself. The Holy Spirit came to promote who? To promote Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came to promote Christ. The Holy Spirit didn't come to start a Holy Spirit ministry. The Holy Spirit came to start the ministry of Jesus. And he wasn't drawing attention to him. See, so many churches point attention to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is points to who? Points to Christ. It's important because experiences happen. And listen, make no mistake. The Holy Spirit wants to move in powerful ways in your life. One of the cool things that you see is the Holy Spirit. We know it's the third part of the Trinity. The Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The easiest way to look at that is not three gods. The easiest way to look at that is Jesus is God. The Father is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. All three are God and all three are one. <laughs> Hard, to, hard for our minds to grasp, but each one, look at the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. And they're all one. There's no different. It's just, it's just one of those beautiful mysteries. And the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to move in powerful ways in your life. He's not referred to as an it in Scripture. You see him referred to as who? As he. As a person. 
that you see phrases in scripture like it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Hey, we were going to do this and it, you know, we checked with the Lord and it seemed like it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. We, you see verses where the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate Paul and Barnabas unto me. Very, very important because the Holy Spirit wants to move powerfully in your life. He wants to move in powerful ways. Man, the Holy Spirit is not just here to just point to Christ. He wants to move in powerful ways in your life. And he was given to you and to me to help us, right? The Bible calls him the helper. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the helper. And God's desire for us is to be led by the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be helped by the Spirit, to be sealed by the Spirit. God's desire is for the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in our lives, but the Holy Spirit, we must never forget, is not here to promote himself. The Holy Spirit is here in this world to promote who? Jesus. He's here to draw people to Jesus. And he's here to convict the world of sin. And it's not about the experience, very, very important. It's about who? It's about Jesus. I love that Peter preaches, and I love this so much because Acts chapter 2, it doesn't end with the coming of the Holy Spirit and this tremendous experience. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, the reason why he was given, it wasn't just to create an experience. It's interesting because the church today has kind of made experience the goal. Think of how many churches pour so much money into creating an experience. And churches pour so much money into creating an experience. Pour so much money. I mean, a lot of these things that a lot of churches will spend, thousands upon thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands, in some cases millions of dollars on things. And the purpose, the goal is what? It's to create an experience. And Christians will go from church to church chasing experiences. Man, chasing an experience. Like, oh, this church is doing something really cool. I'm going to go check that out. Oh, now, this other church, new church. They're doing this. So I'm going to go here. Oh, man, but this other experience over here is pretty dope. Like, I like how they do this. And we become experience chasers Instead of chasing Christ. See, the purpose of the Holy Spirit wasn't just to create an experience. Here in Acts 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came. Man, it was an experience. For everyone that was there, that was filled with the Holy Spirit, that began to speak in tongues, make no mistake, that was a powerful experience. Man, for everyone there that was standing, that was watching what was taking place, that was a powerful experience. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit, listen, is not to create an experience. It was to demonstrate power. And when there is a demonstration of power, listen, there is an opportunity to preach. See, experience, you experiencing something, this is so, so, so important. You experiencing something, you feeling something, experiencing something, that is not the end goal. Of the Holy Spirit. The end goal of the Holy Spirit, just how He's here to promote people to Christ, listen, He is here to lead you into a deeper relationship with who? 
with Jesus. With Jesus. It's not just about the experience. It's not just about the experience. I would strongly, strongly encourage you to question any experience that does not lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And any experience that doesn't lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, I would question it. Experiences should push you towards Christ. They shouldn't push you towards the experience. It shouldn't be, man, you need to experience this or you need to experience that. It should be you need to experience Jesus. Many churches will point to an experience instead of pointing to Christ. But listen, do you want to see a real and genuine work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to see a genuine, lasting work of God in your life? Or do you want an imitation? Do you want to settle for just an experience? That makes you feel good for a little bit, partially full for a little bit? Oh man, if you want to experience that living water where Jesus said, if you drink of that living water, I ain't never going to thirst again. Now we can't chase experiences. We have to chase Christ. Do you want the Holy Spirit or do you want hype? Notice what Peter says as he kicks off this sermon. He says, and it shall come to pass. He says this, I'm sorry, in verse 15. For these are not drunk as you suppose." Since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs, signs in the earth beneath and blood and fire and vapor of smoke, smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll wrap up with this thought. Listen, this experience that they had, man, this experience that, these, that the disciples had with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, it's interesting. Peter gets up and what does he do? He says, hey, he said, this isn't some weird, you know, you know, we were drinking and, you know, we mixed a little bit of drink with something else. And now all of a sudden we're speaking tongues. He's like, this isn't that. He says, this is a experience. This is the fulfillment of scripture. And it's interesting because this experience that they were having, this was something new. But what was it? It was rooted in scripture. It was an experience that was found in the pages of the Bible. And I think it's important, listen, Peter gets up and he says, he says, hey, he says this, what you're seeing, he says, this is found in the book of Joel. When it says that in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. It's important to be able to back up an experience with scripture. Listen, if the disciples did it, 
if the disciples did it, are we better than the disciples? And it's important to back up experiences with Scripture. Listen, if we want to see God move in power in our lives and we want to have an experience with God, I understand that. I do too. But it's going back to this. That if we have an experience of God and you really want to know, like, man, is this experience of God or is this experience not? Because sometimes it's hard to tell. Like what we were talking about last week, it can be hard to tell if an experience is of God or not. Sometimes you go in and you're like, man, you're like, I'm feeling something, but I don't know. If the experience is found in Scripture, if it's rooted in Scripture, listen, you can take it 110% to the bank that it is an experience of the Lord. And if you don't find it in Scripture, you got to be careful. Because experiences, listen, experiences can be powerful and exciting, but experiences lose their magic very, very quick. It's kind of like if you go to a concert, right? You go to a concert the first time, and it doesn't matter who's playing, you're like, oh man, it's exciting! Yeah! Right? But if you go to a concert every week, and after a while, you're going to be like, uh, who's playing? Uh, I don't need to go. I already did the whole concert thing. I'm kind of tired. Right? It, lo- it loses its magic. And if your goal is to experience something, understand experiences get old really, really quick, and you will never be completely satisfied. If you're chasing experiences, you're going, man, I just want to experience this. And we, I know people like that that have done that. They're like, man, I just need to experience this, or I just need to experience that, or this church has this practice that no other church does, so I need to go and experience that. But experiences get old after a while. They lose their magic. Listen, the Bible does not teach us that we will be satisfied with experiences. The Bible teaches us that we will be satisfied with what? With Jesus. Living water, that living Water And the danger is often that because we are not satisfied with living water, listen, and if you're chasing experiences, you're looking for this experience, the danger is this, is that you're never going to truly be satisfied. And if you continue to look for the next best experience to tickle, you know, to, to, to scratch that itch, to kind of get you excited, if you keep looking for another experience, listen, understand that experience is going to eventually fade. You're going to go here, find an experience there that's going to fade. You're going to go here before you know it. You're going to start getting into some very interesting and weird practices that are very unscriptural. And it's so sad. Because, man, we can be completely satisfied. We have everything that has been given to us in the living word of God, the living power of the Holy Spirit, the living resurrected Savior. We have everything we need to be fully satisfied and fully content. But yet so many people will kind of push that to the side so that they can go get this experience or that experience or all these other experiences. And they find that they're never satisfied and they end up getting led astray. But a genuine move of the Spirit, like what we talked about last week, a genuine move of the Spirit will leave you completely satisfied every time. Every time. Fully satisfied. Every single time. And it will always point you back to Christ and lead you to a deeper relationship with God. In closing, what happens if you experience something that isn't found in the Bible? 
sometimes that happens, right? You experience something and you're like, man, I don't think this is a scriptural thing. I'm not really sure. It's important to understand this. In Acts 19, when Paul was in Ephesus, right? It says this. Notice what it says. Acts 19, verse 11 and 12. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. But what does he call it? He says basically when Paul was in Ephesus, God was doing some things that are, what does he say? He says they were unusual. Paul's sweatbands were literally, that's what it is. His sweatbands were being taken and laid on the sick and what was happening, they were being healed. His handkerchiefs were being uh, put on what? They were being put on um, the, the demon-possessed and the evil spirits would come out. I remember seeing a commercial a while back for someone. They were selling the sweatbands of Paul. And they, were, they weren't, you know, Paul's sweatbands. But they were a, a, a thing that if you, you know, put that on somebody, they can be healed. But I love it because the Bible says what? He says, hey, he says, this happened, yeah. But what does it say? It says it was an unusual experience. Not this is the standard. Not this is the practice. It says what? It says it was an unusual experience. Very, very important. Sometimes you may have an unusual experience. You may have an unusual experience. Maybe something that you're like, man, you know, this happened to me. I haven't heard it happening to anybody else, but it happened to me. And it's important to understand that sometimes an unusual experience will happen. And what do you do? You categorize it as that. Hey, this was an unusual experience. It happened. Not sure what to make of it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to continue to chase Jesus. And if you continue to chase Jesus, and if you're chasing Jesus, if you're not chasing experiences, if you're chasing Jesus, doesn't matter how many unusual experiences you have, you're going to have no problems. You're going to be okay. Because your eyes are in the right place. Your focus is in the right place. It's important to understand that, listen, God will never do something that will contradict His Word. That is very, very important. The Bible says this about the Word of God. The Bible says that the law of the Lord is perfect. That it's complete. It's perfect. There's no mistakes there. Now, see, sometimes we can be like, well, you know, like, I mean, I know the Bible, I know the Bible says this, but... Like what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, right? We can kind of negotiate with God. We're like, well, you know, like, there's this little loophole here, you know? But it's very, very important. Listen, the word of the Lord, the law of God, it's perfect. It's complete. It's complete and it's perfect. And when you're having these experiences, it's important to understand that you may have an unusual experience here, you may have an unusual experience here. You come across someone, you're like, man, that's a very strange, unusual experience. 
And if you're chasing experiences, those things, you're going to just go all in on them. You're going to be like, oh man, I had this unusual experience. I need to find out if anyone else has an unusual experience. And you start Googling it. Before you know it, you find out that there's this you know, weird doctor in Texas that had the same unusual experience. And you're going to reach out to them now and you're going to see, you know, what does this mean? And if you're chasing Christ, you're never going to have problems. If you have an unusual experience, hey, unusual experience, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened, but man, I'm not going to put a lot of weight in it. I'm just going to keep chasing Christ. And you're never going to have any problems there. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you. Lord, and I just pray. I pray for us now, Lord, just in filling and an empowering with your spirit. Lord, we want to be baptized with your spirit. Lord, we want to be filled to the brim. And so, Lord, I just pray. Lord, just right now, Lord, we've all in this room given our lives to you, Lord. We've all, um, Lord, received you into our lives, Lord, as our, as our Lord, as our Savior. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anything that we need to get right with you, Father, that's hindering, Lord, you working through us in greater ways, may you show us those areas now. Lord, may you just really show us those areas, Father, that you want to work on. Lord, that we can get rid of them, Father, that, uh, Lord, that just like David said, Lord, how, how, how happy is the person whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are just, they're blotted out, they're gone, they're, they're out of the way. And Lord, I pray that you would truly now, Lord, just baptize us with your Holy Spirit, Father. Lord, may this week, may you move in such a way Lord, such a powerful way that we would know, Father, that we have been uh, baptized afresh by your Spirit. Lord, that we've been filled with your Spirit. So I thank you, Lord, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Is it cold? I'm so sorry, guys. I have the... Why didn't you guys tell me anything? Hi, <laughs> you guys didn't tell me anything. I could have. I figured it was just me. I had it on seventy. Oh, that's how it is in my house. I had it on seventy the whole time. Like, oh, it feels great here. <laughs> I'm like, man, this feels phenomenal. <laughs>